Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the fifth episode of the second season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. So Jordan, congratulations. So Jordan wasn't able to attend a few podcasts because she has been studying for a very important test. But congratulations, Jordan passed. What was this test you have been studying so hard for? Yeah, so I was studying for two, a little bit less than two years on my ASCP certification. What is that? So um, basically what I said in the very first podcast that I was on with you guys, um, that I'm a histotechnologist, so I was studying to get that specific certification. Gotcha. So I can advance in my career. Very cool. Well, I know, uh, looking at the stuff that you were studying, it just went right over my head. I couldn't believe the amount of math and stuff that you had to know for this. Absolutely incredible. Congratulations on passing that test. You worked so hard to do that and I'm so happy that you passed it and you have that certification. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, another announcement, the Spooky Shop is open, Yay! everybody. Spooky, uh, you'll spooky. hear an ad for it in the podcast, but I wanted to make an announcement in the beginning of the podcast that the Spooky Shop is open. Ghost Encounters merch is able to buy. We have glow-in-the-dark shirts. We have hashtag stay spooky shirts. We have hoodies. Glow-in-the-dark hoodies are coming soon. We have uh, mugs, travel mugs, tumblers, stickers, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of Ghost Encounters merch. Go to ghost-encounters.com, click on Spooky Shop, and you will see everything there. I know, we I mean, you and I already have the glow-in-the-dark yes, shirts, but yes. I know I want to buy the sweatpants. Oh, absolutely. I want the sweatpants, <laughs> and I want the Stay Spooky. Hashtag Stay Spooky shirt. It's, I it's it. very cool. So someone actually bought the hashtag Stay Spooky shirt from New Hope, from the investigation I was oh, in. Oh, that's people, awesome. And she posted a picture of it, and she does uh, ghost tours throughout New Hope. Oh. And she was wearing it for ghost tours. That's think. so cool. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. So... So shout out to Phyllis for buying the first hashtag stay spooky shirt and thank you so much for listening and being a fan and wearing your shirt on the ghost tours that you do for New Hope. Yes, we appreciate you. (laughs) Another shout out goes to William McFarlane Goldstein. So I shared with you that we got a Facebook message a couple weeks ago that uh, William McFarlane Goldstein reached out to us and he said that he found our podcast recently. He loves it. He said keep up the good work. He also said he wanted a poltergeist podcast episode so you and i kind of started like turning some wheels and we decided you know what why don't we do a types of hauntings and ghosts podcasts and make it a little bit longer than just poltergeist so poltergeist are in it um but this is for you william mcfarlane goldstein types of hauntings and ghosts podcasts reminder to everyone if you have any ideas or anything you want to hear send us a message reach out to us we will gladly make it into an episode so starting with types of hauntings, um, as a paranormal investigator and as of you who are listening, who are into this stuff, we know there's two really main types of hauntings. There's residual hauntings and intelligent hauntings. Let's start with, with uh, residual. Residual activity can occur when something traumatic or stressful occurs, such as murder. Uh, the negative energy is literally blasted into the surroundings, causing an imprint or record of the event, like a tape recording. It will play the events over and over and over again. Over again. It's almost like a broken record of the past. It's the same figure that's seen by many when 
in the same spot of a house. It's the same soldier walking across a battlefield. It's the same widowed woman in a white gown wandering around. It's the same thing that people see in the same location at all times. It doesn't have to be visual. It could be aud auditorial as well. Uh, the entities involved in this residual haunting activity are unaware of their surroundings. This is not an intelligent haunting. There's no interaction between you and the entity. Uh, residual hauntings um, can also be caused by positive energy blasted into the atmosphere. Many times you have heard of ghost stories where people can hear sounds of a party or hear music and singing, dancing, laughter. When you enter a room, um, you hear the party and all of a sudden, no one's there. So to share a story or example of residual haunting, I decided to share stuff about Gettysburg. You and I are both from Pennsylvania, so here Gettysburg is very popular. It's very well known for paranormal activity. And every historical setting is bound to have a few ghost stories, and Gettysburg is no exception. The rich history of Gettysburg has created an abundance of supernatural stories and spooky lore that intrigues people to this day. The Battle of Gettysburg, fought between July 1st and July 3rd, 1863, is known to be a turning point in the American Civil War. Wasn't it the most bloodiest battle, too? It was. Uh, the three days of this brutal battle caused the largest number of casualties and generals killed in action during the Civil War. About 51,000 casualties in this one battle. Wow. Yeah. And since the battle... Uh, both visitors and residents of Gettysburg have claimed to see spirits that still linger. One of the main spots that always comes up in Gettysburg is called the Devil's Den. This natural rock formation on the grounds of the battlefield proved to be a strategic asset to the troops of the Civil War. Uh, the formation was named such after local residents in that time believed that a large snake was inhabiting there. Varying accounts of the size of the creature range from 8 to 15 feet, therefore earning the nickname The Devil, which is why it's called The Devil's Den. Yeah, it's pretty big. I don't know why they thought a snake lived there, but that's kind of the story. Interesting. Visitors to this historic landmark have reported hearing sounds of drums, gunshots, as well as sightings of a barefoot, shabbily dressed man. So again, this is residual. So we have the sounds of the drums from the war, sounds of the gunshots and the cannon fire from the war that are just imprinted on the ground surrounding. Gettysburg Hotel also has been known to have a few paranormal guests. Most guests talk about seeing Rachel, who is believed to be a Civil War era nurse. She is said to be looking for wounded soldiers that she can care for, as well as opening drawers, removing contents. Past guests have also reported seeing a wounded soldier and a lady dancing in the center of the ballroom. So this nurse is just wandering the afterlife. She, this is residual. She is just doing the same thing that she has always done. She is looking for wounded soldiers to attend to. Um, the wounded soldier and the lady dancing in the ballroom, again, this is a time that I'm assuming this instance was positive. They were having a happy moment in a traumatic time yeah. that is imprinted on this building and people keep seeing the same exact thing over and over and over again. And due to the large number of casualties that the battle caused, any building was turned into a field hospital. At the Tilly Pierce House Inn, people have reported hearing footsteps walking above them, spirits sitting on beds, and a soldier constantly walking up and down the stairs, almost as if he's still patrolling the building. It's to no shock that the main battlefields hold an exuberant amount of negative energy from those three bloody days. In the fields, people still hear soldiers shouting, 
gunshots and cannons being fired. Even Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures captured what sounded like a cannon fire when they were out on the battlefield. I do remember that. Yes. I remember that. So it's this, uh, again, these entities and these things that happen, they're not intelligent. They don't know that you're there. They don't know that they're dead. It's just kind of an imprint and a broken record of the past that keeps happening over and over and over again due to the dramatic trauma that has happened here and that stuff kind of imprinted itself on the grounds and in these buildings so speaking of residual jordan what place did you look up as an example of residual haunting so i chose to do the location called changi beach it's located in singapore very cool yeah i found it when i was doing um research actually for this podcast i stumbled upon for some reason i always stumble upon like asian like <laughs> continents and like places and other stuff like they always have such rich like and traumatic history right just like when i did truck lagoon and all that stuff um so i said changi beach is located in singapore and it looks like a normal beautiful beach but history tells us a completely different story mm. the goal was to eliminate anti-japanese views in singapore which led to murder during the second world war so world war ii Due to all the bloodshed, the time frame was termed Suk Ching, which translates to purification by elimination. Ooh. Yeah, so basically they got all of these like Chinese men and civilians together to basically just take out anybody that they thought was against the Japanese. Wow. Which was, in their mind, pretty much everybody. The location, Changi Beach, was served as a killing ground for the Japanese Imperial Army men from the ages of 18 to 50 were rounded up and marked with a symbol for execution. I read a couple places that it was a triangle on their cheek, but I'm not really sure if that's fully true. Most of the people that were led away from their families and everything had no idea what was about to happen to them. While I was doing my research, I noticed that men with glasses were a common reason to be targeted. I thought that that was stupid but interesting, but... Hmm. Like, why did they think glasses were a type of anti-Japanese view? But I don't know. I just thought that that was weird. Strange. Um, but most people were picked at random for looking a type of way, like I said earlier. But a um, total of 66 men died on Changi Beach, which is a small number compared to the estimated 25,000 to 50,000 during the reign of the Japanese. Wow. When they were in Singapore. Yeah. So once the men got to the beach, they were all tied together arm to arm. So like in a row. Yeah and told to walk towards the water's edge. So as their backs were turned, they were basically all shot down, Jeez. like a firing range, yeah. And um, even if some, like someone lived, the, like from their gunshot wounds, they drowned anyway, because of the people around were attached yeah. to them. Yeah, so since they were roped together, the bodies of people that were shot um, pulled most of the other people down into the water. Um, obviously, we know that drowning isn't something that happens really fast, people struggle. So basically it left whoever lived past the gunshots to suffer an even worse death. Yeah. So completing the horrible process, the bodies were later recovered and hacked apart with weapons. Oh. I read like bayonets, I read other sorts of like, you know, knives, whatever. Um, this was to fully ensure that the men were all dead. The bodies of the 66 Chinese men were buried in mass graves that were dug by prisoners of war. So other people dug people's graves where right. they like they were also could have been killed yeah and, yeah, 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 yeah killed right yeah so wow. basically this event left stains onto this location um 
which led to this stretch of beach to be ridiculously haunted wow. and eerily haunted. I can imagine. So you like you can go and online and look up like pictures of the beach where you see palm trees and da da da. But then like there's pictures of it when like the sun's going down, and it almost feels like a completely different location. Yeah, wow. Like it just looks creepy. So let's talk about the ghost of Changi Beach. Naturally, visiting a site of a massacre is enough to send chills down anybody's spine. This spot is said to be one of the most haunted places in Singapore. People and visitors claim to hear weeping, wailing, screaming, or crying out for help. Could you imagine, like, you're just sitting there on the beach, like, enjoying the sunset, and then all of a sudden you just hear somebody saying, like, help from, like, around you? You don't I would know. be freaking out. It's dark. You're on a beach. You think someone's drowning or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right. So then you're going into like, I gotta help somebody. Also, there have been phantom gunshots echoing across the empty surrounded beach, which would also creep me the hell out because gunshots, you don't know if that's real or not. Like, so like, what happens if you think a shooter's on the beach? <laughs> like, it's right. terrifying anyway. Right. So again, here we have this residual yeah. uh, haunting of all these men dying. And you just hear those cries and those gunshots over and over and over again. Yeah, and what do you do when you hear gunshots? Normally, people tend to, like, look around. So some visual experiences have been reported, such as people seeing eerie puddles of blood in the sand, which is terrifying, just to have it disappear as quickly as it was spotted. Other people have seen apparitions in the water, heads of men bobbing aimlessly. Oh, my God, imagine that. I would be freaked. Like, cause then you, then also like, do you like call somebody and say like, oh my God, I see somebody. And then like, what happens if the cops like, come? Like, I, I, I see three dead men out Yeah. Water. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Some ghost sightings of dead men riddled with bullets or in pieces have been seen also. Um, decapitated bodies have been seen walking around the beach. Like, I, I would have no words if I saw somebody on the beach that I think was like real. Decapitated. Yeah, like ghosts are not. Like still, like that's so traumatizing. Um, interestingly, people have experienced the sight of what can only be described as an actual execution taking place, like a residual haunting that we're talking right. about. Um, so people hear the gunfire and then they'll go and search and stumble upon a recreation of what happened in history, a replay of this terrible moment in time. Yeah. Lastly, there are reports of houses near the beach having spiritual activity. Apparently, a woman is seen prowling the area, crying out in pain, as if she just lost a loved one. Well, I could imagine. I mean, because they, these they men's took these wives men away. Yeah. Probably wander the beach looking for what was left of their husband. Yeah, that's super sad. I wouldn't know what to do if somebody just burst into my house and took Jeff and was like, and right. I didn't know he was gonna die. Like. It, Somebody coming and taking somebody, you you don't know if you're going to see him again. Right, exactly. I mean, you'll be hopeful, but I mean... Yeah, but back then you probably realized that there was, yeah. like, this sounds too oddly close to, you know, what was happening to Jewish people at this time. Yeah, yeah, especially with, like, the symbol and everything like yeah. that. So, to conclude, Changi Beach, the Imperial officers were tried and or killed after the war. So, I think it said that there were seven Imperial officers that were charged... Two of them were killed and the rest were charged. But then people were, like, getting mad that they killed so many people. Why aren't we killing them? Right. You know, so it was, like, the back and forth thing about, like, why are we killing them? We shouldn't kill them. They wouldn't have wanted this. So Um, there is actually a small plaque that can be found on the beach as a memorial for the lives that were taken there, which is, like, small. 
you know, I kind of like would have hoped still like something. Still, there's something. Yeah, I kind of would have places, hoped that there was something bigger. A lot of places, there's nothing. Yeah, true. Eventually, the bodies were found from the mass graves and relocated to a final resting place for the families to attempt to try to lay like them to rest and everything right, like that. Which right. was nice that they could even find bodies. Well, chances are you probably didn't find a everything. whole body. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, so at least they tried. But wow. Yeah. That was that was chilling. I wouldn't know what to do if I was ever at Changi Beach. I'd be scared. It's a, it's a beach I don't want to go to. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't like the beach as it is, but that beach. Wow. It's funky stuff. That's crazy. That was a great example of residual haunting. So let's get into intelligent hauntings. As matter beings, we are all made of energy on the quantum level. We are all made up of atoms, neutrons. As matter and energy beings, we all have intelligence. While we live, we have an energy aura that surrounds our bodies. This aura is created by the millions of electrical currents that are created through our bodies. Our brains create brain waves, a form of pure energy that is transmitting our thoughts, what we see, what we feel, etc. When our mortal form dies, the aura that constantly surrounds our bodies leaves our bodies. We lose six ounces on the instance of death. What are those six ounces? Perhaps it's energy leaving our body, or perhaps it's what people refer to as our soul. That's super deep. <laughs> that is super deep. This energy, the aura, you may even call it your soul, is carrying the information of what we used to be. If it can do this, then why couldn't it also carry our intelligence? If it can carry our former intelligence of a previous life, then it should be able to interact with us intelligently. When we see this aura, we call it a ghost. If this ghost is able to interact with us, it's aware of us, can touch us, can communicate with us, then this is an intelligent or interactive haunting. Some reasons the ghost may be tied to a certain site or place or people, it's maybe because this person died as, re as a result of traumatic events, murder, car accident, etc. Due to unfinished business, um, the spirit may have died suddenly and not realize he or she is dead. Or maybe the living loved ones are so emotionally distraught that they cannot let go. Maybe the spirit is emotionally connected to their loved ones, or maybe they cannot rest due to an injustice done to them. Perhaps it could be the fear of the other side or of judgment. Whatever it is, they are stuck here and they can interact with us. I would say that the majority of the places I investigate have both residual and intelligent hauntings going on. Okay, so you right? can have like both in yeah, a location. Yeah, you okay. can have both. Um, for example, Gettysburg also has both. Apparently there is a man seen in a floppy hat that will show you around and take pictures yeah, with you. Yeah, <laughs> I heard about that. I heard about that one. Um, I listened to a podcast called Haunted Places and their Gettysburg episode. They had so many flipping stories the whole a time. Lot. You're just learning about cannon fire versus this guy that would talk like talk to people mm -hmm. and tell point them in the right direction and oh, all yeah. that stuff it's it, that's insane yeah and in my investigations as you have been on some with me like for example Weaver, weaversville um that place was used as a brothel and we got moans on our evp yep. that is residual but we've also gotten responses intelligent responses in our evps and in our spirit boxes that are literally answering our questions and interacting with us that is intelligent so yeah. Most places kind of have both. 
especially if something really traumatic happened, especially if it has a lot of history to it. Um, but for the sake of an intelligent haunting, I decided to talk about Alcatraz. Oh, cool. Alcatraz Prison is often called one of the most haunted prisons in the world. But why? You have to see, Alcatraz was built to break the spirits of even the most rebellious criminals. In 1933, the U.S. government decided to open a maximum security, minimum privilege prison to deal with the worst criminals of all time. Inmates who broke one of the prison's many rules would be punished by being sent to what is known as the strip cell. Before entering the strip cell, the prisoners were stripped naked. The cell had no mattress, no sink, no lights, and the only toilet, a hole in the ground. Oh my gosh. The dark steel room removed what was left of hope and humanity in the criminals who earned a stay there. Therefore, it is no surprise to know that some of their spirits can't move on from the experience from Alcatraz Island itself. During its days, many guards and workers have been attacked by unseen forces. Even today, tourists have been violently pushed and shoved. There have been many reports of cell doors opening and closing, opening and closing, and won't stop, but then as soon as you get close, it stops. And then silence. And then someone walks away, and then boom! The doors start opening and closing, opening and closing. That's creepy. On one occasion, when an inmate was locked in the hole, he immediately began screaming that someone with glowing eyes was in there with him. The guards simply laughed at him and ignored the convict's cries of being attacked. The inmate's screams continued into the night and were suddenly replaced by total silence. When the guards inspected the cell the following morning, the convict was found dead with a terrible expression on his face and noticeable handprints around his throat. The autopsy revealed that the strangulation was not self-inflicted. Oh my gosh. At the time, many believed that the inmate was strangled by a guard who was finally fed up with the inmate screaming, though an investigation was made and no one ever admitted to strangling him. Most believe that the prisoner was killed by the restless evil spirits of the 19th century prisoner who was often seen wandering the corridors. Adding to the mystery, when the guards would line up convicts for the daily count, on too many uh, accounts, that convict that was killed would end up in the lineup. And then when someone would notice that he was there, he would suddenly vanish. Oh my goodness. People have heard voices telling them about how they have been driven mad due to the abuse and the pain they experienced. Uh, Ghost Adventures received a number of voices responding to their questions. Take a tour of Alcatraz for yourself, and maybe you'll even run into Alcatraz ghost called Butcher. Uh, He's known to uh, haunt the halls, and he was assassinated there in the 1940s. You never know who or what you will run into. Just make sure that your tour guide is alive and not a former guard showing you around. Ooh, so spooky! That's so a so lot cool. of intelligent beings are found here in Alcatraz, and it's no wonder because they went yeah. through such. I mean, obviously, yes, they were criminals, but they went through such a an awful time, uh, a time that literally broke them down as they, as human beings. They like they, they pretty much were treated not even as 
human beings yeah, anymore. They're still people. So like, no wonder know. they're just kind of trapped there. But here we have, like, this is different than residual. It's intelligent. They are interacting with you. They were shoving you, pushing you, talking yeah. to you. They're messing with you by opening and closing the cell doors. When you come close, it stops. And they walk away, it happens again. Um, but obviously, like I said, a lot of places have both residual and intelligent. People have heard the moaning and the cries of uh, past inmates who have died there and things like that. So speaking of intelligent hauntings, uh, Jordan, I see here in the notes, you looked up the Sally House. I did. Which is a classic. Can you... I am excited for this. Can you dive into the Sally House? Yes, I can. I was really trying to pick a different one, but I kept coming back to the Sally House. So anyway, um, the house is located in Kansas in one of like the most haunted, apparently, like towns in wow. Kansas. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but um, the house was built in the 1800s. Apparently, it's haunted by a ghost of a young girl who died in the house while undergoing surgery for appendicitis. Oh. The home belonged to Dr. Charles Finney, who had an office downstairs at the residence, so he had his office for So he like, himself surgery. was a doctor. Yeah. Okay. So he, he had his office in the basement where he like took people and helped people, and then upstairs is where he lived. Yeah. Very common for, yeah. for back then. A lot, of, a lot of doctors practiced out of their own house where they had surgical rooms and yeah, offices. Yeah, because they had like... Like, back in the day, they would just, like, call the doctor across the street and be like, hey, come right. over. You know, like, exactly. it was just, like, yeah, a thing. Yeah. It, there wasn't, like, hospitals like we have now. Yeah. So the story goes that the mother went to the doctor's house with her six-year-old daughter, Sally, who was suffering from severe abdominal pain, to which the doctor quickly diagnosed her with appendicitis. Rushing to get the organ removed before the child could lose her life, he began surgery before the anesthesia fully set in. Oh. So this is a serious issue because the patient can obviously feel literally everything. Ugh. And it's termed anesthesia awareness, which is fucking terrible. I <laughs> could not imagine. Um, since she was only six years old, she most likely didn't understand what was happening to her and could have right. possibly perceived the whole event as torture right. other than somebody helping her. Um, I actually have a true story of this event, like of anesthesia awareness. Okay. Um, I'll... I'm, it's pretty long. I'm going to try to see if I can cut some stuff out. But anyway, this story is about Sherman Seymour. So I found this on a separate podcast. And I was like, it's just too good not to have in right. the Sally house. So this man apparently was struggling with pain. And the doctors thought it was due to his gallbladder. But because they didn't know for sure, they wanted to do an experimental surgery. Um, the best way that they could find answers is just to go in, right. figure out what was going on. So he goes into the surgery, a completely normal person, completely, like, he has kids, mm-hmm. his wife, they are not worried about it at all, but then after the surgery, he leaves a paranoid mess. Oh. Like, completely is losing his mind. So, the reason was the simple fact that the anesthesia process completely went wrong. Mm. In the procedure, the person only administered one of the two drugs needed to make the person completely knocked out. Oh, no. Yeah. So the paralyzer was added, but not the anesthetic. Oh, so he's just laying there. Unable to move. Unable to move and speak, and he's feeling everything. Yes, Yes. so we're going to get into that. So the drug that knocks the person out and takes all the pain away was not added. So the guy was basically suffering. As Sherman was counting down, like the staff told him to do, which we all probably have been through in our lives, um, he got quiet, which is normal for them, but in reality, like we just said, he was only paralyzed and was unable to speak when he noticed something was wrong. 
So naturally, they think because he went quiet that they're just going to start buzzing around getting ready to do surgery. Like, they're getting all the surgical stuff out, ready to do their thing. And um, so they didn't know that he was about to feel everything. So they didn't realize also because they tape your eyes during surgery, like serious surgery. So the operation starts, and he's in unimaginable pain and excruciating pain because obviously they're digging into him. Yeah. So to try to get their attention, he started moving his eyes back and forth really quickly to try to loosen that tape. But to me, that looks like REM cycle. Yeah, like, so he's trying to get the tape out so that they can see him. So time passes, and while they're digging and cutting into this man's body, a nurse finally realizes that the tape has slightly fallen off of his eyes and sees him staring right back at her. Oh. I'd shit my pants. Anyway, they go and get the anesthesiologist to fix this problem. Like, they're basically shit in their pants because they don't know why he's awake. Yeah. So they give him pain meds, and he finally passes out. The fucking medical team spent 16 minutes working on a man without any form oh, of pain Oh, my God. And digging into this guy's body. That 16 minutes probably felt like 16 hours. Yes. So the medical team knows that there's about to be a lawsuit because this guy is clearly going to remember what happened to him. Still unsure about what actually, like, Where went down. Is, yeah. yeah, like, and which one, like, the staff or the anesthesiologist made this decision... They added another drug on top of the other pain medicine called midazolam. I think it's midazolam. But um, it's known as an amnesia drug. So he can forget all of the trauma. Oh my God. So they're just adding stuff on so, top of it trying yeah. to cover their asses. And, and I get it. Like in the moment, they're probably freaking out. So they feel like they have to do this. But in reality, this is the entire reason that this guy lost his mind. It was terrible for Sherman because his body would remember the trauma, but his memory wouldn't. So... After the surgery, his family noticed something was wrong because he would randomly sit, like, on the... They would be doing stuff sitting on the couch and everything, and then he would just all of a sudden start screaming. Like, something... He thought about something. He had a flash in his mind. Who knows what happened? So he started freaking out. They finally sought out professionals um, because they had no idea what happened to him. Um, And, unfortunately, later he would take his own life because he just couldn't live with the trauma and not understand what was going on. Right. Yeah, so the family didn't rest after he died. They knew that this all started after the surgery, so they dug into it, got the medical report, and they found out the truth about anesthesia awareness. So, scarily, this can happen up to 20,000 people a year. All right, now you're now. If I need another, <laughs> I eye, if I need another eye surgery, I don't know. <laughs> I would be so scared. Sorry, listeners, it could happen to you. But... So this happened, His, this happened to this little girl at the Sally House. Yes. So, but, and also, the reason why this man lost his mind and didn't know what was happening was because they added that amnesia drug. So, normally, if the, when this happens to people, they they wake up and they're like, holy crap, I gotta go get right. help. Something happened to me, you know? Um, the family sued the hospital and got money. So that's the end of that story. Right. But I just, it's just insane that that happened to somebody and they tried to cover it all up. Wow. Yeah. So... Going back to the Sally House, after my little tangent, um, there have been a lot of ghost sightings at the Sally House. It's very popular. Um, the story became popular after a couple rented the home in 1993. Hmm. They stated that their dog would growl randomly at nothing, and then attacks started happening towards males in the home. Oh. Another thing that I didn't know about until I started doing more research was that there was fires that started in the See, house. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I didn't either. And they would start without any explanation, fires, like, they didn't know how the Mm -hmm. fire started. And then they would stop on their own. 
So while men were around, objects were apparently seen to move, fly off the, mm-hmm. the counters. Some other experiences in the house include hearing unexplained voices, people see or find random burns on their body, and also cold spots. Most of the activity seems to be harmless, as if it's a little girl playing jokes in the living, but other activity is not so nice. Well, it didn't sound very nice to begin with when you yeah. said fires would start and then go out on their yeah. own. But. So there's other activities that happen, like cuts and scratches on people. Like mm. the, the people that rented, the husband, he like would walk around somewhere in the house and then all of a sudden like feel like really hot marks on his back. That's and usually what it feels scratches. like when a paranormal entity scratches you. You just feel that, you feel this hot burning and then you look and there's like three scratches on your back. Yeah, so paranormal investigators think that Sally isn't the only ghost that haunts the residence. A middle-aged woman seeming more angry and violent than Sally has been seen there and prowling the house and everything. Yeah, so I didn't know that huh. there was another entity. I thought it was only Sally. I mean, if it was built in the 1800s, who knows who else haunts this house? Who knows if it's, like, her, mother? her pissed-off mom. Right, yeah, exactly. Saying, That's like, what my mind back. went to, too. Yeah, and being like, you can Yeah, so here that. we have an intelligent uh, haunting where the spirits are angry and they are doing things to show their anger. They know you're there. They're attacking you. They're talking to you. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I did not know that the Sally house was that, like, deep. Like... I've heard about it. I knew that Sally, like, the little girl spirit yes. haunted there and everything. But I didn't know that there was, like, also, like, a somewhat malevolent spirit there at all. Like, yeah, I, I did know not know. So it was pretty cool. And then having the correlation to it, I also felt pretty cool finding yeah. that as well. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. Yeah. Well, uh, that was examples of the two main types of hauntings, uh, residual and intelligent. We're going to take a little break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about different types of ghosts. Everyone stick with us. We know there are many different types of ghosts and all kinds of categories. We're just going to talk about some of the main ones that we want to talk about for this podcast. We're probably going to have a part two. I was going to say, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more to talk about, especially in different cultures and things like that. Um, So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to tell you about different types of ghosts. This episode is brought to you by The Colony Meadery. If you haven't tried mead yet, it's alcohol made from honey, and it's the fastest growing alcoholic beverage in the United States. It's all natural, totally gluten-free, and delicious. And one of the best meaderies in the world is right here in the Lehigh Valley. Heading into their 10th year this fall, The Colony Meadery has two locations, 905 Harrison Street in Allentown and 211 East 3rd Street in the heart of Bethlehem Southside. Stop in and try a flight of meads, grab some bottles or cans to go, and experience some of the best booze in the world. They've got flavors ranging from tart and quaffable lemon laws and Wu-Tang Crayon to cinnamon vanilla series of tubes and even the sweet heat of their mango habanero. Learn more at either location or at colonymeadery.com. Ghost Encounters podcast and show is sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your online presence with their expert social media marketing, photography, and video productions. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If all you spooky people are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe and give us five stars. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. The Spooky Shop is now open for Ghost Encounters merch. Visit ghost-encounters.com and click on Spooky Shop. (laughs) 
All right, we are back, and we are going to go over some different types of ghosts or spirits. I feel like the first thing we should go over is orbs and apparitions, because they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, it's kind of like the first step in everything, right? As I said previously, we are all made of energy, and our aura or soul is pure energy. And as we know, energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transferred. So it costs energy to do something, and the same thing goes for a spirit or a ghost. The most simplest form in nature is something that does not have jagged edges or multiple sides. It's simply round. Look at anything in nature. There's going to be round things. That doesn't mean it's a perfect circle because that doesn't exist either. It's just round. And that's what an orb is. It's a spirit's simplest form. It barely takes any energy to just be. An apparition is the next step. Spirits can take energy from us from our equipment, batteries, etc., and do things such as speak, move objects, or start forming into an apparition. It costs energy for them to form, and sometimes people have seen partial apparitions, like an arm or a leg, half apparitions, or just a torso, and in some rare cases, full-bodied apparitions have been seen. There's Every time I think of apparitions, I think of this story. Uh, my family and I, years ago, used to go to Outer Banks all the time to go to the beach. Yeah. And we stayed there for a week, and one year I convinced my family that I wanted to go to Roanoke, and I wanted to go on a ghost tour. So we're on this ghost tour in Roanoke, and the guy in this tour tells this really interesting story. He's showing that we're walking past this building, and he tells that the, that a fire broke out, and the building was kind of restored. But the building wasn't restored perfectly to how it was. It was restored differently into a more modern style building because it was an old building okay. and people always see torsos of people going down the hallway and the torso is like low to the ground it's because the floors were on different levels so they're seeing residual oh spirits walking on the floor that, that used to be there so they're seeing this torso just going across the bottom of the that's floor insane. <laughs> that's so interesting right that's so cool yeah, uh, every time I think of apparitions, I always think that story is like just lives rent free in yeah, my head. Yeah, absolutely. That people see this. I think that's really cool because the super floors cool. are on different levels, so it obviously makes sense. That's that... actually super fucking funny. Right? That is super. <laughs> but imagine how horrifying it is. Imagine walking down and you just see like a torso just moving across the floor, low to the ground. Yeah, like who started playing Jumanji and they sunk through the floor? <laughs> right, and that makes me think though, like is the person, if there's someone on the floor below, do they see legs? Like, Oh my the, gosh, yeah, on, like the, on ceiling. the ceiling. You know? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, another example of an apparition, um, in a previous episode, we talked about Lalarana. She would be a perfect example of yes. what's considered to be an apparition. She is a lost soul or spirit that is traumatically wandering the earth searching for her lost children and wreaking havoc on either men who are not being faithful or capturing other children to kind of replace her own but she is always seen um you know we see this lady around the lake and she kind of floats around it that is a perfect example of an apparition and going on the same type of thing there's something known as the lady in white, or a white lady. This is a common reoccurrence throughout the entire globe that people have seen. A white lady, or woman in white, is a type of female ghost. She, is, she has long straight hair, typically dressed in a white dress or similar garment, reportedly seen in rural areas and associated with local legends of tragedy. 
White Lady legends are found in many countries around the world. Common to many of these legends is an accidental death, murder, suicide, and the theme of loss or being betrayed by husband or fiance is not uncommon. In not too far from us, only a few hours away, in Altoona, Pennsylvania, she is known as White Lady of Whoopsie. Her ghost is said to haunt Whoopsanock Mountain and Buckhorn Mountain in the western part of Altoona. It's said that uh, she and her husband died in an ill-fated crash over what is known as Devil's Elbow. Why as you have to head... be Devil's Elbow? <laughs> Why did it have to be Devil? Well, apparently it's a really bad turn as you head into the city itself where both of them tumbled over the side of the mountain. Oh my goodness. According to legend, she is seen looking for her husband in the foggy nights and has been picked up by hitchhikers. And her reflection is not seen in the mirror, but she always disappears around Devil's Elbow. Oh, fuck no. That creeps me out. <laughs> I hate stories like that. Every freaking morning. So I wake up at like three something in the morning because I start work at four. Mm-hmm. So I literally have a routine that I come out and as the garage door is closing because the light is freaking fading because it's still dark as night out I flip on my little lights up ahead (laughs) and I turn around real quick just in case something's back there I never look in the freaking mirror because I'm always scared some bitch is going to be behind me (laughs) because we do all this haunted stuff and I go home tweaking a little bit when I get home about it (laughs) so now I'm going to be extra freaked out tomorrow morning well, there's another white lady not too far. Uh, this white lady is said to haunt Durand Esmond Park in Rochester, New York, also known as Lady in the Lake. The 19th century white lady wanders the park area, obsessively looking for her daughter's body. The latter was slain by a boyfriend or group of hoodlums, depending on where you hear her legend. Um, but this white lady either killed herself in grief or died alone and was heartbroken. Isn't there a white lady in, on our Ireland episode? I believe so. Yeah. I think Kayla talked there, about see, the See, these lady white, white ladies yeah. or ladies in white are seen... It's a, it's a very common occurrence. And yeah. I don't know if it's because of wedding gowns are white and it's just... A, you just think of, you know, white lady... Like ladies yeah. wearing a white dress. But it's a very common occurrence throughout mm-hmm. the entire globe. Interesting. Now, how the fuck do you explain that? Like, that's one thing. Like, people right. that don't believe. How do you explain people randomly right. seeing or this like, lady or, in white or, all Or like the, the Roanoke story. How do you explain, like, yeah. torsos being low to the ground just because the <laughs> floors were on different levels when the spirit was there, when the person died? You know? But again, shout out to William McFarlane Goldstein. Now I'm going to get into poltergeists. Poltergeists. Here we go. Poltergeist is a form of a German word meaning noisy spirit. Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yes. Reports of poltergeist date back to ancient Roman times. The activity that takes place will start off with knocks and bangs. Things become misplaced. But then, you know, furniture can start moving around by itself. Poltergeists are looked at as sort of like teenagers because they will purposely mess with you and trick you. <laughs> They'll make a noise in another room, so you go see what it was, and all of a sudden, nothing's there. They will misplace an object you just put down, like a hairbrush, keys, money, or even a phone, just to mess with you. The activity can become more intense, manifesting itself through voices and even appearing as full apparitions. But again, it can get even further, and furniture might slide across the room, beds will shake. They're not harmful or evil. They're an intelligent type of haunting, and they're just basically a 
really big nuisance. <laughs> Pain in the ass, ghost. Honestly. <laughs> and to show you what they're kind of like, we're going to talk about the Herman House haunting. This haunting inspired the movie Poltergeist. Which is an amazing movie. It is. The original Poltergeist is an amazing movie. The story goes, on one afternoon, James Herman returned home from work on February 4th, 1958. He had to have thought his family lost their minds. That or they were telling him a fictitious tale to scare him. According to Herman's wife, Lucille, she and their teenage children, Jimmy and Lucy, were enjoying some time together after the children arrived home from school when they heard popping noises coming from various places around their Seaford home. Upon investigating, they discovered that there were uncapped bottles of soda pop all over the counter in the kitchen. They just popped and uh, leaked I, everywhere. I heard and this story just recently. The dad assumed it was like teenagers yeah, playing a prank. Yeah, yeah. You know? And he kind of just said not to tell anyone. Like, this was just teenagers having a prank. Yeah, he thought it was just BS. Forget about it, yeah. right? Five days later, the family was preparing to enjoy a meal when the popping sounds were heard again. This time, Herman decided to investigate for himself. And this is when he found several messes in different rooms. Bottles, again, were opened like shampoo, bleach, and even a vial of holy water. Later, investigations by officers determined that the family had not been involved with some kind of teenage hijinks. Like, something else was at play. No one broken into the home. No one was in the home. Yeah. And that these things were kind of just happening on their, by themselves. When the story became public and incidents were filmed and even televised, um, advice poured in through around the world, but the eerie events only escalated. A Catholic priest was even invited to bless the house. A lot of other outsiders believed that this was all fate. Um, Herman was still kind of iffy at this point, but when a cousin of Herman's visited, she witnessed um, bolder occurrences while the teen sat on the opposite side of the room, ultimately convinced that it was not the fault of anyone in his family, but feared for their safety, Herman moved them out of their house I temporarily. Out, but I definitely just heard a weird noise behind me again. I fucking hate sitting on this side of the room. Literally. You didn't hear that? We're going to take a little pause because Jordan is hearing poltergeist activity <laughs> in the studio. Again. <laughs> okay, we are back. And soon after <laughs> the family returned after this temporary just getting out of the house, the noises and damage resumed with vengeance. At that point, larger and heavier items were being upset, and obviously so was the family. Finally, after about a month of terror, the Herman family was approached by Dr. J.B. Ryan, director of Duke University's Parapsychology Laboratory. Ryan believed that the presence of two hormonal teenagers could have opened some sort of chance for psychokinesis or perhaps poltergeist activity. I don't know why this guy thought uh, this guy is bringing like hormonal teenagers into the thing. Because he probably read too many books about Freudian law. Uh, the probably. Freudian theory. And <laughs> <laughs> Though there was reported some uh, dissent between the scientists and Herman, Ryan's colleagues began to attempt to prove that uh, common bottles of household liquids with screw-close tops didn't just spontaneously pop their cats caps off in a mess. Alas, shortly after scientists arrived, the mysterious popping noises uh, ceased. Of course. All in all, between February 3rd and March 10th, nearly 70 mysterious events were recorded, though, witnessed by the Hermans 
uh, and others. Months later, the Duke University Parapsychology Laboratory staff was still at a loss to explain what had happened. Although 24 years later, Hollywood took a stab at it when they loosely based the movie Poltergeist on the events at the Herman home had that spooky spring. So this is the story that inspired This episode has me spooked. I'm so <laughs> spooked right now. I've been looking around the whole time. I don't know if you see me. I've been turning around. I've been looking behind me. So you guys don't know where I'm sitting because obviously you're not here, but I sit closest to the door because it's just, it's easier because I go to the bathroom between breaks and stuff like that and Justin stays in the room so you put a baby in the corner. <laughs> I, every single time, hear the door kind of move a little bit so it's starting to freak me out even more since we're talking about ghosts. So I apologize, but I'm starting to get a little freaked out. <laughs> and just to give you guys an idea of the setting, we were in an actual, we were in my actual uh, videography and photography studio. There are no windows. We we're just surrounded by equipment and white, white walls. walls and it's the backdrop. White. <laughs> so it's not even like a freaky space. It should not freak me out. There's nothing in here that can just, you know, slide. I think it's the stories own. that are kind of... Yeah, I'm like extra Having their part. Today, especially spooked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly think it's about to get even spookier because the next thing we're going to get into is another something that you looked up is a type of uh, spirit or ghost. Which is exactly why I said that. <laughs> the shadow man now and shadow gonna... people. Um, this is something that I know you were excited to tell yes. me about, and I don't even know what you have for me, so I am so excited. Because I also have some listener tales. So, after I get into what I talk about, I also have some direct quotes from some really close family friends that I'm excited to share with everybody. So going into the shadow man, or shadow people... Um, a shadow person or figure is the perception of a shadow as a living humanoid figure and, an, and interpreting it as a presence of a spirit or entity. It's a tongue twizzler. Mm -hmm. But, like, I know that in a lot of paranormal investigations, like, I think even, like, Zach Bagans in Ghost Adventure says yeah. this, like, they see them on, like, the tree lines, but they're just, like, smaller staring at you and everything like that. Right. They don't really right. see... We've seen, like... Yeah. We've even seen, like... There's been a couple episodes where, like, this shadow figure kind of, like, peeks out of a doorway and comes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So they're pretty common in paranormal, like, supernatural talks and world. Um, shadow people are recognized worldwide by many different religions, mm -hmm. legends, and belief systems. There are even records of shadow people in ancient Greece called them shades oh wow i did not know that yeah that's really cool yeah um i read that they can be interpreted in some artwork as well like if you if you're looking around and you see some gothic artwork at like a museum most of the time it's probably about the shadow, shadow people. people wow that's yeah. really cool they have been reported as being seen during the night but also sometimes during the day um, it can be correlated with sleep paralysis, mm -hmm. which I've heard a bunch of times. Yes. Um, but sometimes, randomly, these shadow people just, like, show themselves, and it has nothing to do with somebody being asleep. Yeah. It really blows my mind that people report seeing a very specific shadow person known as the hat man. Yes. This is something that always comes up. People have reached out to me and told me about this. It comes up a lot. People always see a shadow figure in a hat. Yep. So. And it's not a cowboy hat. It's yeah. It's like a flat rimmed. Yeah, it's like, like a Panama hat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, it's it always comes up, and it's always a shadow man 
in a hat. They call yeah. him the hat man. It, it's so... He's the most popular. Yeah. Yeah, when discussing shadow people in general. And it's insane that, like, millions of people have seen this specific shadow person. There's a bunch of online forums that you can go and look mm-hmm. at and people telling their stories. Like, normal shadow figures are reported to be harmless, like I just said earlier, and, like, timid. And, you know, they don't really... Like, if you come near them, they'll they'll disappear. Right. But this isn't the case with the hat man. <laughs> he sometimes has been reported to become violent oh. um, and apparently makes people feel his evil, dark energy and mm-hmm. a sense of dread and hopelessness. Obviously, the name is given to him because he has a hat on his head. Right. And like we said, it's like a Panama hat, fedora, top hat, whatever whatever way you want to describe it. It's definitely worth a Google search to see what you interpret hat man to be because yeah. he has... People see him with, like, glowing white eyes. People see him with glowing red eyes, smoky appearance. It's also common that he wears a long trench coat. And sometimes people see him, like, as, like, a super tall person. Like, some people even say seven feet tall. Yeah. Which is tall as hell. (laughs) There is, I think it was from Penhurst, they always see a dark shadowy man not in a hat but just a shadowy man who's like seven or eight feet tall yeah a tall a tall guy yeah now back to the theory that people can only see shadow people due to sleep paralysis then why are why is so many people seeing the tall man with a long trench coat and a right. hat specifically like it, it's just like me being a science like i take a science standpoint in most things but when you have millions of people that talk about seeing one specific person mm-hmm. and agreeing that it's the same person how do you explain that like it's, it's it's you can't really it's explain insane it. it's it's just crazy um when the hat man shows himself most times he disappears like a ghost and other times in other situations he slowly walks in or away almost seeming human-like mm-hmm. um while doing research i found a popular site called the hat man project it's like a blog where people <laughs> literally share share their tales of that's terror. really cool i want to yeah. look that up and, and look at that yeah <laughs> it's just all about the famous shadow man. So I would love it if anyone listening would send in and share any of their stories about the hat man or anything else paranormal. I would love to hear creepy stories. It's all I do all day while I'm working. And hearing it firsthand from people that are interested in our podcast would be even, like, cooler and scarier, for me at least. I would (laughs) love to have to save a section of the podcast just for incoming personal stories yeah so all you listeners listening send me a story of what you've experienced and we can save a section of the podcast and and do shout outs and whatever we got to do yeah tell us that you're here tell us you're listening (laughs) (laughs) all right so now that we touched basically the basis of the hat man speaking of ghost stories we're gonna start with my family friends that are here to share some interesting stories on the podcast today yeah you don't have this written down and i know who you're going to talk about and I just know that they've seen a Shadow Man, Hat Man. Yeah. But I don't know the extent of it, so I'm really excited yeah. to hear about it. So out of respect for the homeowner, she politely asked me to leave all of their names anonymous. I did get some approval from some of them, but she trumps all. She does. <laughs> she gets what she wants. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I'm just going to refer to them as family, friends, and be very vague. Okay? So since we just talked about the Hat Man... I decided to take a direct quote from somebody that I know saw something close to the hat man. She doesn't like to refer to it as a shadow person because she could see stuff that he was wearing. So it's close. Okay. Um, so that, And this is a direct quote. 
The only real experience I had was seeing a man in a trench coat and a top hat in my closet growing up. That and also heavy feet walking around upstairs. So she said, so after I read this, immediately I was like, holy shit, hat man. Yeah, like, hat man. My favorite trench guy. Coat, yeah, I was like, it, it's what it is. So um, I also was like kind of nitpicking with her. I was like, do you have sleep paralysis? Whatever. She was like, nope, no sleep paralysis, no fear. She looked up a picture of the hat man. She's like, that is not what I saw. So they think it's different than the hat man. Um, but it's very similar. Yeah, but she could tell that he had on a gray, a specific gray trench coat and a dark top hat. So she could see what Some this details. entity was wearing. Yeah, right. but it was, I don't know. She That was like when I first was like, I'm going to start asking them about this house. Yeah, so, I got chills because I know, yeah. I, I know more info about what was in that attic. So that kind of just gave me chills. Yeah. About... So she looked like, <laughs> so when she noticed him and then she was kind of like, oh my God, looked back and then the next minute he was gone. So I have a couple other, I have a couple other tales. I'm just going to go down the list because there's a lot going on here. So another quote that I have from somebody that has been in the house, is comfortable in the house they state that I am a light sleeper, so when I was waking up, I realized the covers were not on me. When I went to tug them up, I looked in front of me down the bed and across the room by the window and saw a person walk across the only light source that comes into the room at night. Oh, I just got the chills. The homeowner's son <laughs> was asleep next to me. I knew this wasn't a real person because usually the weight of human, like humans walking, makes the floorboards creak. What startled me the most was the height of the shadow person and the slowness of how it walked. It definitely was shaped like a person, but I knew I was not in danger. Holy shit. Yeah, I would poop my pants. I would literally have pooped my pants. <laughs> like, I would have been like, see, but me, I'd be like, Jacqueline, the fuck up? Like, I would have started screaming. And I know who this is, um, but she's very intelligent. So I find it very interesting that she immediately thought of, wow, I'm seeing a figure, but I don't hear... The footsteps. Yeah. I don't hear the squeaking. You know, the and heaviness of the feet. Yeah, like, not and because there. we know her personally, I know how she, like, this is going to be weird. I know how she sleeps. Like, I know her sleep schedule. Well, I know. You of all people. Here. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know that she is a very, very light sleeper. Like, I'm talking, like, you could breathe too heavy in your sleep and oh, she yeah. will wake up. So when she's, and when she's awake, like, if her she's eyes awake. open, she is alert. Like, she doesn't need, like me, two whole seconds two whole minutes to get your ass like your ass out of bed get your act together she is like awake alert as soon as her eyes open so for her to know like i know what i saw and be able to tell us that is absolutely compelling and freaking creepy yeah super creepy so moving on another story i have from a different person that lives and has lived in the home and she says when we were in high school i would wake up at 5 a.m to shower and get ready My brother and my mom were still sleeping, and my dad was at work. I heard my name being called twice by a woman's voice, and when I was in the bathroom, it sounded like it was right above me, which was the attic. At the time, I said, what? And got no answer. I figured it was my mom, so I went up to see if she was okay, but just found her sleeping. That's creepy. I've heard a lot of stories about... Like paranormal it's almost like entities like, like mimicking people's yeah, voices. Yeah, but it also makes me think like what if it like I granted she didn't see the person, but if she heard her mom's voice, it kinda makes me think like it makes my mind go to doppelgangers. Right. Because I have a tale. That'll come up in the podcast. But um 
So now I had the opportunity to speak directly with the homeowner last night, which was super spooky. Like I could not sleep after I talked to her. And she states, the man I saw on the couch was not the same man the other saw, but possibly the second entity that my mother-in-law saw. I walked into the bathroom after my husband left for work. I saw the entity sitting there with a smile, dressed in red. Oh. I was shocked. Not knowing what to say, I asked him if he was okay. He shook his head yes. I went into the bedroom, and he was still there when I came back out. I remember saying to him that I was going to go back to bed. Again, he just nodded his head. What the hell? Like, you're actually communicating with right. something. And you know, like, me, if I see somebody sitting on my couch, I'm going to be like, why are you in my house, girl? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but she knew just from staring at this person that, that she knew, entity. yeah, that it wasn't a real person. And she's it so sweet. Of course ghost. she asked if you're okay. Yeah, yeah. She's such a nice yeah. lady. So another quote that I have from her states, my mother-in-law saw the tall man in the coat in the upstairs bedroom doorway then saw the man in red sitting on the couch next to her. She said he touched her leg, which she said burned. As far as I know, those are the only two instances where we saw the man in red. So that's two people in the house that have seen yeah. the man in red. Crazy. Um, and she saw the shadow man. Yeah. And she so saw the guy in the, in, the, in the coat. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was really funny. So after we talked, the homeowner and I, for a little while, um, she was like, did so-and-so say, like, tell you what, like, this really funny thing was? And da, da, da. So, like, naturally, I'm like, nah, hit me with it because we're already in deep. Right. So another super funny story is um, she said, my mother-in-law was laying in bed in the morning and looked over at the door. So she's laying in bed, mm-hmm. just chilling, doing her own thing, and saw the man in the trench coat and the top hat. She said she looked straight ahead and asked him if he was going to make coffee. <laughs> She said, she said she slowly looked back over and he was gone. So I'm like, no, not today. You're safe. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you? And like, you know, granted, she's like an older woman and everything like that. And she's now in a retirement home. But like, it's just like, that's so funny that her first thing is like, yo, bro, you go make like, some hey, coffee. If you're here, might as well make some coffee. You making coffee? Yeah. So, um... The homeowner is actually a grandmama, so her daughter's son stays at the house a lot. They lived there for a period of time mm-hmm. while they were searching for homes and stuff like that. So um, they told me that he sees things, which mm-hmm. we know that like the veil is thin for some reason for kids. Yeah. Like I don't know how to explain that, but I just know that in a lot of stories yep. you hear that kids will literally be talking to ghosts. Mm-hmm. So the story goes that the homeowner picked him up from a nap, and he said, quote-unquote, that man was nice. Oh. Apparently looking past her, behind her. So he wasn't even looking at her. Yeah. He was looking at probably somebody walking away. That man was nice. That man was nice. The man in the coat. Yep. He then said the word ghost. No one knows who taught him that word. Like, from what I've heard from a couple people that live there was that, like, it was, like, shock that he even knew, knew the that word. word. Yeah, because he's right. young. And um, another quote I have is that, Today when I got him from his nap, he said some name that I couldn't understand and goes, Grr. I asked him who three times. He was getting annoyed, so I said, The dog makes that noise. He sighed and said, Yes, as if he was completely over it. But I don't think it was the dog. So apparently their dog, like, 
because they they had a couple dogs at one time and like he would make fun of the dog's noise so he would just go grr yeah and all that stuff so now they're worried that like he's seeing more than one ghost right so i that's it from this one spot they have so many stories and i just didn't want to add too much more but it was so awesome that they even let me have this information. Yeah, let no, that's us, awesome. Thank you so this. much yeah. for letting us share those stories on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. I hope everyone as spooked as I was when I was reading this because I was at <laughs> home alone last night trying to put together and organize these quotes as best as I could because I really felt like a direct quote was the best option for this yes. kind of podcast. Yes, And I hope I did them justice. I know that they said they were super excited to listen and hear the episode. That's awesome. So thank you all so much. We really appreciate it. Very much appreciate it. That's awesome. <laughs> did, that, did it spook you out a little bit? It did spook me out a little I bit. Thought I, only knew, I only knew a handful of these stories. I didn't know all of those. I know. I know. Because you know, like, the deeper stories. Like, because they go thrifting and they do their thing. Right. And, and what was in the home. attic and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so, like, but they... Yeah, these stories were very cool. Again, they have thank a lot going on, yeah. letting us put that in the podcast. Yes, we really appreciate it. It was awesome. It was so cool talking with you guys. And it's so interesting that the Shadow Man, or the man in the hat, is seen throughout the world. Yeah. So, the next kind of spirit or ghost type is something else that's seen by many people. And that's the black-eyed children. Which also scares the piss out of me. First off, children... Children's Black stuff eyes. is scary. Uh, honestly, I think child spirits are the worst. Co- very creepy <laughs> compared to adult spirits. <laughs> They're the worst. Um, a little sneak peek about the uh, Perry Mansion episode of Ghost Encounters is coming out soon. Is I got some children laughter in the kids' room. Stop! Yep. Oh my god! Right when one of the motion sensors go off. Oh my god! I'm yeah. gonna need to have like it's three spooky. beers before I even start <laughs> watching that. I'm gonna be so creeped out. Or glasses of mead. I don't know if you all know this, but Ooh, pitch it. Ghost Encounters has teamed up with the Colony Meadery, and we came up with a caramel apple-inspired mead called Spooky to the Core. That'll be coming out soon for everyone to be able to purchase online or go to one of their locations. It is delicious. I can't wait to try it. I haven't tried it yet. It's so good. But back to the black-eyed children. <laughs> Jordan, this I'm trying is... to stall as much as I can. <laughs> it's so spooky and it's so cool. Let's just let's just get right let's, into it. Let's go. All right. So the black-eyed children are interesting because apart from so many different um paranormal creatures they're they're like lumped into so many different categories yes so they're they could be lumped in with demons aliens a combo of both um cryptids and even vampires yeah i've heard about the vampire which thing. is so crazy like you don't hear about vampires that much you no. know <laughs> especially in the paranormal but um they are regarded as sinister and terrifying at times even dangerous but really no one knows exactly what they are which scares me the most, Mm -hmm. is that we have no freaking idea. Um, They're usually seen around the ages of 6 to 18 with pale skin and completely pitch black eyes. And I'm talking, like, not just black irises. We're talking about, like, eyelid to eyelid black. Yeah. Yeah, eyelid to eyelid black. Just the the whole thing. It's just black gaping holes in their heads. Yeah, so spooky. Um, In most of these stories or legends, the children can be found around highways, streets, and residential homes stalking passerbys or residents of the property just to cause psychological harm. Mm. Well, if you see that, I think that would do some psychological harm. Yeah. 
So they can come up to you on a dark, cold night or approach you while you're waiting in your car at a gas station. They appear to be hitchhikers or lost children, only to attack you when you stop to help them. Like, I'm a mm. concerned-ass citizen. Why do you need to attack me? Right. What did I do to you? Like, I don't under... They, they just are, like, so bizarre to me. Um, they pop up out of nowhere and are known to make people feel fear, anxiety, and dread. They're seen mostly at night in pairs... And they also, which really creeps me out, they speak as if they're older than they look. Mm. So they don't speak like the normal... Like a, like a child child. Yeah, they don't speak the lingo that right. kids would. The most interesting thing, at least for me, is that the black-eyed children have to ask to be invited in to okay. someone's personal that's property. Like this whole vampire thing Yeah, that's probably yeah. where it stems from. You're right. Um, as if they can't come in unless you let them come in? It, that's insane. And freaky. Um, it's completely unknown as to why they need to be invited inside. What I like about the Black Eyed Children is like the idea of a, a hybrid, like an like an alien human oh. thing. Because like hybrid. Because like they were taught. Like I read in a couple different forums that they talk about them seeming as if they use them as hosts. Oh okay. And they're trying to figure right. out the world. So I could see why they term them as, like, aliens. Right, why they would speak differently and everything yeah, else. Yeah, there's a lot cool. of bizarre UFO lore online. So if you're feeling up to it, which I definitely am not right now, go research. You'll find out some cool stories. Um, they're pretty scary but also super cool to yeah. learn about. Like, not for me right now, like I said, but... And their, their pictures are freaky. Like, people may, oh, yeah. like have, like, pictures. I know that there's a movie, too, but... Super scary. But I have a story mm -hmm. while I was doing some research from the Business Standard News. I have a quote. In the snowy town within the middle of nowhere, Vermont, an elderly couple heard the sound of three loud knocks at their door. They opened the door and saw two children, a boy and a girl. They said, our parents will be here soon. May we come in? The children did not make eye contact and just stood there in the doorway. First oh. fucking red flag. The elderly couple were hesitant, but after a while, they let the boy and girl inside. The kids settled on the couch while the wife made hot cocoa, and the husband asked them questions that went mostly unanswered. The wife returned and noticed that her cat was scared and angry with the children. So I'm assuming probably hissing and yeah. acting up. So the children randomly asked, may we please use the restroom? The wife looked at the kids, and she finally saw them. The children's eyes were as black as a starless universe. Mm. Starless universe. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. I wouldn't even know if I would be able to speak. Like, I would probably just be staring at them. Jeff would have to come and be like, yo, you kids all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, she directed them to the bathroom and returned to her husband, who was covered, covering his face with his hand. Did you see their eyes? The husband then showed his hand full of blood from a nosebleed. Oh. The power suddenly went out, and the house turned as dark as the kid's eyes. The wife headed to the restroom and was confronted by the voice of the kids at the end of the hall, uttering, Our parents are here. Oh. The kids then exited the house, leaving the door wide open. The wife then noticed that there were two men at the end of the driveway. The men were very tall and slender. The wife waved but did not receive the same friendly gesture. Two men and children then drove away together in one car. The power then came back on a little later after the kids left. 
Throughout the next week, weird things happened in the house. Three out of the four cats went missing, and the fourth had been found dead in a pool of its blood. Oh. We should have done a disclaimer for that one. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and finally went to the doctor, and he was diagnosed with a very aggressive skin cancer. So this is just one story that I found. Yeah, that's cool. But there are millions of stories out there where you can take, like I said for the other stories, a deep dive online and you can find so much about these black-eyed children. And each story makes the idea of seeing these little fuckers scarier and scarier. (laughs) Like, so scary. But remember the rule in this tale. Don't let them in. Don't let them in. Don't let them in. Look at their eyes. (laughs) Look at their eyes. (laughs) There's just black holes there. Just... And me being an antisocial person, I'm really not that like social unless I know people. If somebody's knocking on my door, nine times out of ten, I'm not answering. Yeah. So the black-eyed children better go to somebody else's house. <laughs> they are very creepy. They're so creepy. Um, they seem a little evil. And getting into this evil concept, we then get into malevolent entities. Which is a nice one for right after all the shit we just <laughs> talked about. Now, some people think of these as demons, an evil entity that has never had mortal human form. But human spirits can be uh, malevolent as well. These tend to be spirits of awful people, like murderers and other kinds of people who did sick things. They were evil in their human life and stayed evil in a supernatural plane. They're an intelligent kind of haunting and take pleasure in harming you. These spirits may seem like a poltergeist at first. They may even present themselves as a young child to gain your trust. But you will soon realize that it is not what they say they are, and they only want to cause chaos and harm. Every time I think of this, I think of the Beckford family haunting, which was one of Ed and Lorraine Warren's cases. Um, The story goes with the Beckford family. The Beckford family uh, moved into this house in Vermont, and... It was a couple with uh, kids, and one of the daughters was having a lot of trouble making friends at school. Oh. But she had a Ouija board. Oh. And... See, at first I felt bad. (laughs) She decided to use this Ouija board and just to see what happened. And then all of a sudden, she started getting responses, and it turns out what she thought she was getting responses was from a boy her age who would give her compliments, such as saying that she looked nice in that specific colored dress yesterday. Um, she became infatuated with him. And they would communicate she's, she's through the sensitive. Ouija board. sensitive. Like, she's going through yes. that point in her life where she has no friends. She's trying to make friends and can't. Like, I can and see now she's, she's having an entity yeah. giving her compliments and saying that he loves her and he wants to be with her forever. And... He eventually asks if he could manifest and come through, and she says yes. And then all of a sudden, all of the activity on the Ouija board stops, and she was heartbroken and distraught. She thought she lost him. But what happened was this entity then presented itself in the home, and just like a poltergeist, it started with small things, right? Things would get misplaced things would move on their own. They started hearing some random noises at night, knocking and and walking. But then it just kept escalating and escalating to the point where the family was sleeping in bed at one night and all of their dressers just started shaking violently and opening and closing and the house was completely distraught. Um, The family's car kept getting holes in their tires. He, he, He must replace like six tires 
oh my gosh. throughout this entire ordeal because it kept getting slashed. And at first, of course, the dad just thought it was like teenagers and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, of course. But there is an actual police report. Um, when the police arrived to the house, it was raining rocks on the house. Raining what the hell? Ro- it was not hail. It was raining rocks on the house. All kinds of shit was going on. And... Oh, because that damn Ouija board. Yes. And this spirit wanted to break them down. Physically, mentally. It wanted to break them down. This is what a uh, malevolent spirit does. And whether you believe this was a demon or uh, or an actual human who was just evil, I mean, it's up for debate. Um, As always. But when Ed and Lorraine Warren get there, I mean... Things are being flown across the room, especially like spiritual objects. I mean, full pieces of furniture are being turned upside down. It was an absolute nightmare for this family. This thing was extremely couldn't even imagine violent. Couldn't even imagine. Um, And as we said before, like like uh, humans will be malevolent uh, entities as well. In the prisons, people have been pushed and scratched and harmed. I definitely believe in human like. Um, Another story I didn't share about Alcatraz was there was a paranormal investigator and he locked himself in one of the most haunted cells and he decided to lay down and not too long after he started feeling like the icy cold hands grip around his neck and it almost made him be able to not breathe and he freaked out and and left. They want to cause harm. They want to do awful things to you. They get pleasure out of it. Yeah. And the more they break you down, the more they feed off of your despair they feed off of your depression and your fear and it just makes them stronger and do more things yeah it's awful it sounds terrible it sounds yeah like it's an awful idea it, shit i never want to experience yeah, it's an awful in my ordeal. Life. <laughs> yeah so before we go there's something that came up in my research that i thought was very interesting and it's called the stone tape theory and this was a theory brought out in 80s and 90s about why there are residual hauntings or why spirits kind of stay here. The stone tape theory is the speculation that ghosts and hauntings are analogous to tape recordings and that the mental impressions during emotional or traumatic events can be projected in the form of energy or recorded onto rocks, onto wood, into a house or other items and replayed under certain conditions. Yeah, I've never heard of that theory. We were talking before we started the podcast about it a little bit, and I never, ever heard about it. But, like, but it makes sense. So you know, if, it's a nice theory. If this energy is kind of blasted into the surrounding areas, whether it be a house or, or in a field or rocks or the walls or, or an object itself, I mean, we, have, we know that objects have been haunted by spirits. Yeah objects are carrying the spirit of this thing because the it, it's so entwined with this person's uh soul if you will um and then when it says that certain things can be replayed under certain conditions we know that we've had trigger objects yep. right zach baggins does, all, does it all the time so he brings trigger There's objects a whole show called the haunted collector about all these yes. things it was just a very interesting show. theory that uh, yeah. came up yeah, that was during definitely, my research. Yeah, that was definitely worth the ad. So we know like this wasn't every single one of different types of yes. spirits and ghosts. Um, we definitely wanted to you know highlight Poltergeist since we had a fan reach out yeah. and ask about that. Which um, was awesome. Very awesome. Again, if anyone you know wants to hear anything specific in the podcast or has any ideas, 
yeah. send them over, send us a message. Or even to message us about support. We love to hear positive or, or even constructive criticism on yeah. it. Stuff that can make us better. Yeah. We're love always, we're always, always here to grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for today. Stay spooky. And remember, don't let them in. <laughs>